Um, Isaiah 57 verse 15 tells us that the, the high and exalted one who lives forever and whose name is holy says this, I live in a high and lofty place. He, he's great. He lives in light and accessible, darkness unapproachable. He's awesome. But he not only lives there, he lives with those who are contrite and humble in spirit. So he's both great and close. He's both up there and he's near. And so it's, it's really encouraging. C.S. Lewis says, the prayer that precedes all prayer is this. May it be the real I who speaks. May it be the real you, God, who hears me. And in that place of intimacy, you can have some psalm type prayers, not some religious say the right thing type prayers, but some some honest prayers, and that's what Pastor Sheridan is calling us into, in that place of humility, before a God who already knows us. You're hiding from a God who knows everything about you, you know, rather than run from him, run to him, eh? So beautiful. So praise God. So wonderful. Hey, how about a hand for the music team and, and everyone who's led us so far? Really great. Thank you. Been awesome. And we're just, we're just talking, uh, we're carrying on talking about... Um, the kingdom values and uh, the value that uh, I have the uh, the honour of talking about this evening is belonging. And uh, my son uh, had a I, I was I can't remember where I was, but I I was walking into a party somewhere, ready to, to to engage socially, and my oldest boy came sprinting up to me, this look of real concern on his face, and he's just like dad, 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 just and he stopped me before I could engage, and I thought what, and he goes dad. You've got something in your teeth. And I had a look and I had a piece of spinach about the size of my hand just there. And, you know, just think about that. I mean, it's such a little thing, but just think about the intimacy in a moment like that. I don't want you to be embarrassed. And he crosses the gap. Because let's face it, strangers aren't going to stop me and go, bro, bro, you got some spinach in your teeth. Hey, they're not going to. They don't care. Or, so, or maybe some people are close enough to go, oh, he's got spinach, but oh, I don't want to embarrass him. I don't want to embarrass myself, but for my, but you know, or, or even uh, late last year, my youngest son, I went to school, boys high, uh, to pick him up, and he spoke these these incredibly loving words to me. I remember them, and he said to me, "Dad, your shirt's on inside out," and I thought, "See, how would I know if he didn't tell me? How would I know? I'm walking around, I'm fine, you know. I don't know there's whipped cream in my bed." I don't know unless there's someone to tell me. And there's something about living in community and connection and belonging that we were made for. It's a, it's a silly light example, but, but, but there, there at, the, at the crux of it, we see the beauty of it. And we've been through a hang of a time in the last few years, whānau, haven't we? Yeah, sure. If you think about it, you know. Um, these new words that come into our vocabulary, words like lockdown and social distancing, I never would have put those together. And I can remember... Uh, catching up with a mate uh, at Countdown Chartwall, and I saw I hadn't seen him for ages, and I just wanted to rush up to him and because I was the person who got to go out to the supermarket in in um, in lockdown. It was exciting being able to go to the supermarket. Yeah, just bought far too much. Yeah, biscuits and all that sort of thing. But I saw my mate, and I just wanted to hug him, and I couldn't. And we stood there just talking across the Girl Guide biscuits display, and as much as we could, trying to connect. Um, just trying to chat because you, you weren't able to, to get as close as you wanted. And then, of course, last year we had a, a new addition to our vocabulary, didn't we? Isolation. 
isolation. So now it's not just, at least in lockdown, it's everyone. But isolation, suddenly it's just certain households and families will isolate. And, and I mean, the, it's all in the word, really. Isolation. You know, everyone else is getting on with life. And, uh, and I think, you know, it, it, it really impacted us, didn't, didn't it? You know, um, mentally, emotionally, I think physically. We're going to see in time the impact that it's had on our kids. But it had an impact on us socially too, didn't it? It had an impact on us relationally. And I think if anything, what I, what I realized, you know, as I kept in touch with people through that time and I spoke to some dads and, and I think of my own experience, is that we were not created for isolation. We just were not made that way. We were created for community. We were created for connection. And I think we all long to belong. You know, and there's been a lot of research, and in, in, you know, in light of all this, there's been a lot of research on the importance of belonging and connection and community. Uh, MIT found research that belonging is a fundamental part of being human. We need people, and this need is hardwired into our brains. Uh, belonging is tied to our social identity. So we, we join a group with a set of shared beliefs and values and ideals. It's part of who we are. Uh, culture, that's shared meaning. Uh, Brene Brown, researcher, she defines belonging as the innate human desire to be part of something larger than us. You know, we want to be connected to that which is bigger than us. I think belonging is a great lens to consider our Christian life, our faith journey, our theology through. Uh, God created the universe, he created us and we belong to him. Sin has interrupted and corrupted and destroyed our belonging with God and our belonging with one another. Jesus, by the cross, has brought us back into belonging with God and with one another. Uh, we're brought into belonging with one another as God's people and in harmony with creation, moving towards the consummation of God's kingdom, bringing all things back together as, as he intended in the first place. Belonging is a good lens to consider our, our, our faith through. Uh, it's something that I, I particularly, I particularly uh, believe in. Within the heart of every person is this need for community and this need to belong. As one writer puts it, we were created for, or we crave personal relationships. We need to know that we belong. First to God, our creator, and then to one another. And basically what I want to do this evening is reflect more on these two senses of belonging, that we belong to God as our creator, and that we belong to one another. And so I just want to unpack that a little bit this evening. And so, first of all, we belong to God. Who, who was here last week at the 6 p.m.? Who was here? Just throw your hand up. Yep. And so Monique shared, and she shared about this terrifying and illogical act that she took part in. What was it? Bungee jumping. Bungee jumping. And so she not only shared about the terror of her experience, but she also spoke about, or she used it as an analogy, didn't, didn't she, about this idea about how we anchor ourselves and we tether ourselves to, in her words, sketchy things. Things like fame or wealth or achievements or work. And, and if you think about it, you know, this idea that, that often what we do is we, we, we anchor our life and our meaning and our purpose to this thing and then we leap off into the abyss, into the dark of life, not realizing that we're tied to nothing. And so, and so uh, Monique challenged us around the idea of what have we anchored our life to. Hebrews 6, Hebrews 6 says that we have a divine hope as an anchor for our soul. And in that it talks about God's word. It talks about God's 
uh, trustworthy character. And it talks about God's son, Jesus Christ. The anchor for our soul is Jesus. We can anchor our soul to Jesus ultimately. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thought. And so you, I, we belong to God. We can anchor our lives. We can find our hope in him. Uh, we've got, thank you, me, if you would, um, we'll bring it up on the slide. But Psalm 100 verse 3 tells us, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. Or the, uh, con- the um, common English Bible says this, know that the Lord is God. He made us, we belong to him. We belong to him. So he made us, we belong to him. That's a worldview thing. That's where we come from. Therefore, our values, our, the reason for our living flows from the fact that God made us and we belong to him. Uh, and so with that in mind, you know, so God made us, we belong to him. And so I found as I was listening to Monique last week and she was sharing about this, that it reminded me about a very famous passage from C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. And I want to share that with you uh, tonight. So let's get a bit of Clive Staples into us. You didn't know that was his middle name, eh? So C.S. Lewis, let's have a look. Mere Christianity. Here's the passage. It says, God made us, invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else. There are things that I've observed through life. My car that was made to run on 91, family member took it out, filled it up with diesel. I observed in the wisdom tradition of my elders that my car did not run very well on diesel. It was not designed to run on diesel. I've observed many things. Three things, even four, have I observed through this life. I watched a cat once walk in. There's a plate of sushi on the floor. And it walked up to the sushi and then stuck its nose in the wasabi. And it was like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon where it just bounced off the ceiling and off the walls and just bounced everywhere. And I thought, hmm, I observed the cats were not made to run on wasabi. There are all these things that you think about. You know, in terms of design, we were designed in a certain way. And so, Mia, if you would, the next part of the C.S. Lewis quote says this. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. And so um, C.S. Lewis goes on to say that that's why it's no good asking God to make you happy in your own way without bothering about religion or by that without obeying God or living his way. It just doesn't work. And so me, if you would, the last part of the quote says this, God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself. Because it's not there. There's no such thing. Hey, I'd like to run my car on diesel. It's cheaper. Well, you can't because it's not designed that way. You see what I'm saying? So you can, oh, so so, uh, fame, wealth, work, apart from God, it's not going to work. Because you weren't designed that way. You weren't designed that way. Come out of hiding in those things into the presence of God who created you and you'll find your purpose and meaning. And so that's, that's, uh, that's what we're looking at here. So it's a great quote there. And then Monique sort of spoke about the fear of, of leaping out on a bungee. And, and I reflected you know, on this idea of leaping out and being tethered and the like. And, and it reminded me of a story that my father shared with me when I was, a, I was a grown man. I'm sitting with him. I've got my own kids. But he shared with me 
about when I was about four or five, and he said, I climbed this tree, climbed quite high, called out to him, Dad, look how high I am. And just for a joke, men don't often think this, you know, think it through, but just for a joke, he said, he held his arms out and he said, oh, jump. And not, not for an instant did he think I would. And then next thing I just come flying at him. And he said, I was really surprised. And he was really surprised that I just took him at his word and jumped. And so he would share the story. And, uh, and I was thinking about that. You see, what a difference jumping makes depending upon who you're anchored to. So, you see, I knew my father. I thought the world of my father. He was everything to me. I was at that age where he was all-knowing and all-powerful. And uh, you see, so in terms of thinking about that, he said to jump, I suppose I loved him, I trusted him, and so I jumped. You know? And so he did catch me. I'll stop there, insert cheap joke here, but I'll stop there. But uh, he did catch me, he did catch me. Um, God made us, and we belong to him. And he loves us, and we can trust him. And those, therefore, tethered to him, we can, it's a, it's a whole different thing. Step, change the metaphor, stepping out. Stepping out into something new. Stepping out into, into uh, maybe out of our comfort zone. But because we're tethered to God, and his presence goes with us, and he's before us, it's a whole different thing to leaping off into the dark, hoping it works. So, wonderful, this, this, this whole idea of being tethered, anchored, having our soul anchored to Jesus. You belong to him. He knows you. In Christ, one writer puts it this way, in Christ we can find true belonging. For true belonging is simultaneously being fully known and fully loved. Think of the, the first words of Psalm 139. Oh God, you have examined my heart and you know me fully. You have searched me and you know me. The God who knows me. Knows everything about me. Knows the light and the dark, the good and the bad. Knows everything and loves you. Just loves you. You know, that's a healing place. That's a, that's a secure place. You can grow in that place. So we're not our own. We were bought at a price. Paul writes to the Corinthians, you were bought at a price, the precious blood of Jesus. Jesus died for us, paid for our sins, defeated the evil one, so set us free from the evil one. And so because I believe in Jesus, I am now a child of God, I belong to him. I belong to him. And so not only do I belong to God, but because you and I have faith in Jesus and belong to God now as part of his family, we belong to to one another. But I want to I sort of reflect a little bit on that idea of, of um, belonging, because I see it in two senses. So in one sense, we belong to one another as part of the human race. We belong to the human family. Uh, as Christians, we believe that all people in the world are created in the image of God, and therefore worthy of dignity, regardless of ethnicity or age or whatever they think or believe, all people are created in the image of God, and therefore worthy of dignity and respect yeah. and being treated with love and kindness. I was reflecting on, um, I was thinking about this, and I was reflecting on, on an old Bill Withers song. It's an R&B classic, Lean On Me. Yeah. Anyone know Lean On Me? Yeah. Cool, so yeah, so it's a great song. 
and, and I was thinking about this, in that human sense in which belonging is a human thing. But it's a human thing because God created human beings. Yeah. And, and Lean On Me was a bit of an anthem during COVID around the world for a whole lot of people because of what they were going through, you know, communities cut off and stuff. And I was thinking through it. Bill Withers wrote this song. He left his small uh, coal mining community, went to the big city, and he missed the small town, really strong community ethic of a small town. And he found the city kind of faceless and lonely and really, really not cool. And so he writes a song. And just real quickly, if you don't mind, I just want to share my theory with you about the song. Okay, um, I've run it by our musicologist, Brett Wilson, and he, he thought it was all right. So just, just bear with me, see what you think. So, so you know how the song starts, and it sort of just runs the scale. It's sort of this droll start that just goes, the, the scale sometimes in our lives we all have pain, we all have sorrow, you know, so dun, 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 like this. And so we, yeah, we all have a hard time, but how does it finish? But if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Okay, okay, cool. Now you think about it, it's not really, if you think about it, it's a sort of trite thing that you would say when you don't know what to say, hey, hey, it's hard at the moment, but hey, there's always tomorrow. Yeah. True? Yeah. And it's really funny because it's the only part of the song where it's, it sounds like he's trying to buck his own spirits up. No one's talk, there's no conversation. It's just like a guy's talking to himself. Oh, well, it's hard at the moment, but there's always tomorrow. So, so, da, 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 da. But the rest of the song is far more impassioned. The rest of the song is far more emotive. And it sounds to me like Bill Withers, it, it's like he's saying, this is the friend that I wish was with me or the friend that I'd like to be. Because instead of the psalm, all of a sudden it changes to a bit more passion, pleading, hopeful, you know, lean on me, you know, so he suddenly does that, when you're not strong and I'll be your friend, you know, I'll help you carry on, so all of a sudden instead of this, thank you, thank you, thank you, but you know, instead of this, oh, sometimes it's hard, we'll get through, to suddenly, you know, you know I'll help you carry on, for it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. And it's, gee, you guys, give yourselves a hand. That was awesome. And, but you, you see, and the beauty of the song isn't, isn't just like, hey, I'll be there for you because I might need you to be there for me. And that's that one another life that we're going to talk about. But that, that, that's what we're created for, that sense of belonging. We know the bridge. You just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We don't need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem that you'd understand. We don't need somebody to lean on. Gee, give yourselves a hand. You fellas are awesome. That's great. Wow. Wow. It's a beautiful song. And, and I think it captures something of the heart of God for people. So, uh, look, I, 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 um, I like social media, you know, but sometimes you, people sort of snipe at each other. It can be hard. But I was, I was amazed, you know, with the, the recent flooding that went on when I saw some amazing posts on Community Post that reflected this. So uh, one of the first I saw was this guy who said, me and my brothers will love to help clean and move your stuff. I've got the moving van anytime. Prayers. Beautiful, eh? See that? See, part of the human family, 
part of the human family. You see people in need, we can help out. Another post said, I have a single bed with clean sheets if anyone needs it. Another, me and a friend can get groceries for you. Offering help can work for free. Another lady, my husband and I are able to help where someone needs it, willing to do anything to help out. It's part of the, just, just humanity at its best. Humanity at its best. So we are part of the human family. Part of the beauty of, of, of the vision here isn't it, in terms of the park, and that is, is, is being a hub for our community so people can see something of God and, 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 and that, that love and community. His heart, heaven come to earth, which, which is just precious. So people looking out for the needs of others, loving the neighbor who's the one in need, all being worthy of dignity and respect and love. Amen? But when we choose to follow Jesus in faith, then that belonging takes on another level. We're welcomed into his family. We're welcomed into his family as, as brothers and sisters, children of God. And so that's, that's another level in terms of his church. And let's face it, church, we're not perfect, are we? We're not perfect. Uh, that's part of the beauty of the humility that Pastor Sheridan's calling us to. You know, let it be the real me crying out to God, God, this is me. I love you. Help me. Beautiful. Love the great prayers. Read the Psalms. It's just, you know, just people being honest before God. But we're not perfect. We're created to belong. And in this Christian life, that means doing life with a real group of real people, beautiful people with real issues, real flaws, who are who, with real strengths and, and, and a whanau of precious, imperfect, intelligent, struggling, wonderful people who've all found grace and acceptance in Jesus Christ because Jesus is awesome. Jesus is awesome. Uh, Alistair McGrath says, thank you, Mia. It's a great quote from a wonderful theologian. It says, the church is God's work in progress as God takes ordinary people and makes them extraordinary. He does it for us individually but he does it corporately for us as his people. Pastor X Men. Who, 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 who recalls Pastor X Men? I still miss him. I still miss him. Wonderful, wonderful uh, pillar in our movement. And he would always teach about how the New Testament uh, shares over 50 times calling us to the one another life. And it uses these phrases of one another or each other to describe the the life of, of mutuality, of reciprocity, of, of love back and forth within the community of faith that God is calling his people to. One another life. Just, just can, can, can anyone think of an examples from the New Testament of that one another life? Just call it out if you can think of any. Love one, love one another. John 13, love one another. A new command I give you, love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. That you love one another. Love one another. I love it in the Māori Bible. It says, te tahi ki te tahi. What's the, what, what number comes up in that Māori phrase? One. Te tahi ki te tahi. One to one. And that's how life is, you know, forgiveness, love, acceptance. It's all, it's, it's, it's people connecting. People connecting. It's there in the English, but I only picked it up reading it in the Māori. One another. You know, so love one another. What else? Anything else? Yeah, to live in one accord. Again, call to unity, living in one accord. Anything else? Forgive one another. Yeah, forgive one another. Uh, forgive one another. Accept one another. Uh, Ephesians tells us, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yeah. 
Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. Bear one another's burdens, Paul writes to the Galatians. Peter writes, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Uh, Be kind and compassionate to one another. So as Paul writes to the Roman believers, thank you, Mia. He writes to the Romans, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. I think that's a challenge to my individualistic, consumeristic, Western mindset where it's about me and my life. No, no, I'm called into a, I'm called into a, a community life in the spirit where we belong to one another. So that, that requires some changes to my thinking and my, my heart. So we belong to God and we belong to one another, amen? But Paul also writes to the Roman believers, and we've got this also, thank you, Mia, a great passage on adoption. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. So we see here, I belong to God, Abba, Father, the intimacy of that that relationship. Uh, Papa, Abba the closeness there. So I belong to God, but also I've been adopted as one of his children, so we belong to one another in his family. Uh, quite quite precious. I listened to uh, news, this, this is from only a couple of years ago, I listened to news reports and, and read a story about a guy called Jay Spates who wanted to learn more about his lineage. So he took a DNA test, African-American guy, takes his DNA test, gets uh, sent to a number of other databases, and he gets this report back that says royal DNA. So he finds out that he's a prince in the West African nation of Benin, So, uh, which is hard case. So he grew up in New Jersey, lives in a flat, doesn't own a car. Next thing, he's flying out to Benin. The royal family prepare a festival for his homecoming. They hang banners. They throw a parade. There are signs hanging in French that say, welcome to the kingdom of Alida, home, the land of your ancestors. Uh, before he left Benin, Spate said that the king gave him a new name, Viticon Deca. It means the child who came back. Isn't that beautiful? The child who came back. It's only for a few years ago. You know, when we come to Jesus, we find out that we're a child coming back to the God who created us. The God who's always loved us, always wanted us to come home. We're a child of the king and we're adopted as royalty into God's family. Blows my mind. I still still struggle to grasp that. But that's the wonder of who God is.